Hello and welcome back to Couch Potato Critics. I'm Miriam. I'm Carly. And <laughs> this is, this episode we're doing it's a wonderful life. Sorry, Shirley couldn't make it. Busy at the yeah, you won't see her. Where long. is the damn? <laughs> okay, well, it's her <coughs> so oh, whenever oh. you're ready. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, woo. Um. Hello and. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Couch Potato Critics. I'm Shirley. I'm Carly. And I'm Miriam. This week's movie was <laughs> picked by... Fine, you can still use it! Okay. okay say it again. Say and I'm Miriam. And I'm Miriam. This week's movie was picked by Miriam, and this week's movie is... It's a Wonderful Life. What the hell is that? <laughs> Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Wait, that That's was so funny. perfect. That was... We did not plan that. That was an accident. Miriam hit her head on, like, a little bell thing. Oh, a dream catcher. Um, are we going to start the deal here? So, we usually start with the synopsis. Yeah. So, let's um have... Miriam, read out the synopsis for It's a Wonderful Life. So, this is continuing our Christmas movie theme. So, George Bailey has so many problems, he is thinking about ending it all. And it's Christmas. As the angels discuss George, we see his life in flashback. As George is about to jump from a bridge, he ends up rescuing his guardian angel, Clarence, who then... (laughs) Who then then shows George what his town... who then shows George what his town would have looked like if he hadn't been for all... Oh my god, I cannot read this last sentence. Who then shows George what his life... <coughs> Who then shows George what his town would have looked like if he hadn't been for all... Oh my god, why the hell can I not... Who then shows George what his town would have looked like if it hadn't been for all of his good deeds over the years. Woo, we did it! I made it through that. Okay, so we have... I forgot that we have to do it. Yeah, we can, we can do that after. I can just add that in the beginning. Okay, okay cool. <clears throat> so, It's a Wonderful Life, as many of you may already know, is a holiday classic for many people. And, you know, right off the bat, um, I just want to say that, like, I saw this movie when I was really little, really little, and as, you know, Miriam said in the synopsis, this movie does go over some, like, harder topics. I had no idea what was going on, so I kind of went into this movie with, like, a negative, like, oh, well, I didn't like it when I was little because I thought it was really boring, but upon rewatching it, like, this time, I noticed and and definitely understood the story in a completely new way, so it was almost like watching it for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, I was thinking that because Shirley had told us that she had seen it when she was little, and after I watched it, I was really, like, you know, like, this isn't really a move. I don't like, I don't think you would really understand it if you were like a little kid. Oh, I think, true. I think it's very much like around like, I could start watching it like, like to really get it, I think like 12 or something. Like, yeah. I think it's a very good movie for, you know, d- double digits. But I think it's often shown to little kids because it's such a holiday classic that people have grown up with. So they're kind of like, oh, well, It's a Wonderful Life is on, so let's just watch it. Um, but there's actually a lot of, you know, like, the story is a lot more interesting than just yeah. like oh it's just your classic christmas movie it really isn't your classic christmas movie yeah and sorry <laughs> well i mean just to add on to what you're saying i feel like i say this almost every episode but i had never heard of this movie before seriously you you've never heard of it i never heard of it um so i can't really say it's a classic for me and at the same time, like, I'm sure we can talk about this later. I didn't really get the whole Christmas vibe from it yes, until, right. like, the last yeah, 20 minutes. So I, do I don't really think it's going to be a staple in my holiday tradition. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, like, a question I kind of have or maybe just a comment is sort of this very much is, in my opinion, even after having the last scene, like, I kind of wouldn't consider it a Christmas movie. And it's really, like... I don't think Christmas really has a lot of relevance to it other than, like, the last, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. It's like, oh, all this sadness is happening on Christmas Eve or whatever. It's really not much of, like... It's more like it's a coincidence that it's yeah. happening. Yes, it's not like, oh, I discovered the joy of Christmas or something like that. Like, it's very... 
much, I think. N- it's not really... It doesn't it, rely on Christmas. Yeah, and I think the only reason why I think it is is I was doing a little research on this and... I mean, the reason why It's a Wonderful Life got so popular is for a little bit it was in public domain, and then once they, uh, so when, what does that mean? Yeah, so it literally you could show it without having to pay anything. Other than royalties, you really wouldn't have to pay it all for the rights of it. So it would get shown a bunch because it's like, here we got a free movie. Why don't we show it? And then they realized that they hadn't renewed the uh domain for it the studio realized and then then renewed and then the only channel that can show it's a wonderful life is nbc and they show it twice a year uh right after thanksgiving they show it you know then and you know throughout december they show it so that's really i think one of like the primary reasons is like you know i think anything christmasy they'll show during christmas pretty much so you said you had like a question so how would you like um, so, yeah, would you guys really, I mean, in my opinion, I don't really consider it a holiday film, so would either of you put it in that category? I wouldn't. I mean, I feel like it follows more of George's life than anything, and doesn't really have anything to do with Christmas. I think the only time Christmas is mentioned, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about, like, the plot and stuff, but the only time it's mentioned is, like, the last few scenes when his family is having a Christmas party. Yeah. And that's it. So it's not like, you know, a Christmas carol where, like, everything relies on it being Christmas. or So I don't – I wouldn't consider it. So I also agree. Like, I, I wouldn't consider it a Christmas movie, but I understand – so my answer – I kind of am answering both ways. So personally, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a Christmas movie. I could see myself watching this movie any time of the year and not having it feel out of place. But I do understand why people view this as a Christmas movie because the finale, you know, relies a lot on Christmas. And also throughout the film – so as, you know, everyone knows, Christmas is a religious holiday and angels are, you know, a really big part of – religion and i think that this movie is really centered around like uh i uh, just kind of the backbone is like ideas of christianity because this whole idea of the angels and so i think that this movie is kind of um has a big element of religion and so they're kind of connecting it back to like this big holiday this big religious holiday so i think that that's probably why it was like originally considered a christmas movie yeah but i mean <clears throat> So, yeah, but, I mean, <clears throat> okay, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, one of the things when I was, I, I think this film, I mean, you brought up Christianity, but I think with this film, it's kind of, like, a water, very watered-down version of Christianity, because yeah, they never, like, they never really, like, push that in, like, the only time that it's kind of, like, I mean, it is implied if you're celebrating Christmas, sort of, but I guess some people celebrate and aren't, but it's like, you know, like, uh, Mary tells the kids to go pray or whatever, like, that's the only time his prayer is mentioned, and, like, I guess, I think angels now are more, like, kind of past Christianity of sort of being just, like, you know, in a lot of pop culture, yeah, yeah. I meant like for the time, like it being like a symbol of religion yeah. and a symbol of like, for instance, you know, like the Clarence, the the angel, we'll get into him later, but he comes from heaven, yeah. right? So this yeah. this very like like you said watered down idea of Christianity and religion. But I think in a way, it's kind of more an American kind of film because I mean, you can sort of say that like. There's definitely some Christian ideals in America in whatever way. But I think that it's very much just an American story. It is. That's, and that's why it's, I think, very... I mean, I think the title is very, you know, literal. This is more... I, first off, I think it's way more of a life story than it is a holiday mm-hmm. story. The movie doesn't even take place yeah. in yeah. Winter, so. yeah, it takes place, you know, throughout... As we said, it takes place throughout George Bailey's life. And I think one thing that also connects this back, this movie to, back to being like a, an American story is that it takes place in this little town called Bedford Falls. And America, one of the things that it's known for is is being scattered yeah, with these towns. little small towns where, you know, from, you know, if you're just driving through it, you think like, oh, I, like who lives here, right? 
But um, if you really go and look into these individual people's lives, you find amazing people. And so that's what I think the idea of this movie is. And so do we want to move into characters? Oh, you have one more thought? <laughs> um, well, I think... God, of course now I lost my point. Okay, wait, what were you saying before? You were saying... Small towns. towns. Yeah, so, oh, so I think um, Battle for False, I think a good comparison of it is those who have seen Gilmore Girls. It's very much like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think neither of you have seen it, right? I not. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so in, like yeah. Yeah. so in Gilmore Girls, they live in this town, Stars Hollow, and it's very much, Ma! well i'll remember it's fine so i think bedford falls is very much like stars hollow where it's this like uh a com- very much community town everyone knows each other uh it's very much like that like you help everyone helps each other out and i think it's a, a really good comparison for those who know neither of my co-hosts do though yeah we do not if you know like we're not in with the gilmore girls so i know i I said i want yeah so i know i said i wanted to like go on to characters but i actually forgot that i have two more things to add so i did like a little bit of research for just very very minimum research for this movie but so the cab driver and the police officer are named Bert and Ernie, and <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming I'm assuming everyone who's listening knows who Bert and Ernie are, and they're you not better. thinking that yeah, you better, and they're not you are not thinking of a cab driver and a police officer. You're thinking of the two Sesame Street characters, but so apparently they actually have no correlation. Yeah, so a lot of people do believe that Bert and Ernie were named after. The it's a wonderful life Burton Ernie but they actually were not which I think is just so sad because that would have you know like that would have been yeah, so perfect it's I mean it, it is weird but it's a classic movie so maybe you know yeah. people might just think that Jim Henson was just a fan of it and another thing I wanted to say is that so as we'll get into later as we talk more about the story um the bridge you know like a very important scene takes place on this bridge i actually have seen the i've been to that bridge in real life so that bridge is in seneca falls new york and i was there um learning about the suffragette movement and my dad was like who is a huge fan of it's a wonderful life um was freaking out over this bridge and he was like that's the bridge from it's a wonderful life and he was very very excited about it and so i snapped some pictures which was pretty cool Here's where we get a little bit dark there, though. The I I as well was doing research on this, and I found out that the you know there's a scene in the movie where uh, George is contemplating jumping in to the river. The very very yeah, cold. Water. Real, yeah, water. water yeah, and uh, Clarence the angel throws himself in so because he knows that George will go and rescue him instead of you know uh jumping in and killing himself and it was based off of when um Frank Frank Capra who uh directed wrote it and you know whatever creator of this film I'll just say because he has a lot of roles on this film uh was in Seneca Falls and he was getting haircut and he heard about the story of a guy who died trying to rescue a woman who committed suicide off the bridge and that's why that scene is in there. Oh my god, it's that's because, crazy. And that was like one of my favorite. I really liked that scene because it was. I mean, it just shows you like what a great person George is, pretty much. Because I was sort of, yeah. th- I was thinking about it in the moment. I was like, my god, like if I was there, I don't know if I would necessarily jump in. I wouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah, well, true. So you actually, by telling that story, just made me think of something. So when you said, you know, that makes me think of how good of a character or how good of a person George is, it kind of made me realize that there's a motif throughout this movie and it happens twice. So George, when he is very young, um, he's out playing in like this like frozen lake with his friends. Yeah, I think they're and his little brother yeah they're like sledding on it and his little brother falls into the frozen water and george jump jumps into the frozen water and saves his little brother and loses hearing in his ear um in one of his ears for the rest of his life so you just made me realize that that 
that is the exact same thing that happens later in life when um, Clarence jumps into the freezing water underneath the bridge. George immediately stops thinking about himself and goes to save someone in the exact same way. And I think that's a really, really interesting um, thing to show that, you know, all these years later, George would still do the exact same thing. And it kind of plays into this idea of, because, you know, again, the thing about this movie is, you know, he gets to see what life would be like if he had never existed. George um, is such a selfless person that he's willing to help so many people, which is why he made such a big impact on this little town. So I guess now we've kind of segued into George. So um, George Bailey is the main character of this film. Really? And he is played by... Jimmy Stewart. James Stewart. Jimmy. James. You can call me. Are, are you on, on a nickname basis with him? Well, ma- many people call him Jimmy Stewart, but I guess his formal name is James Stewart. So, yes, but the very iconic Jimmy Stewart. Um, and I, I, I guess I'll just bring this up now. So, one of the very big things about this film is that uh, Jimmy Stewart had, Jimmy Stewart fought in World War II, very, he was a bomber, he was very, um, a couple Hollywood actors did, but a lot of them were much more, I would say, laid back in their roles, because I think they were sort of, yes, they were protected sort of being these celebrities, but he insisted on sort of being there, and, uh, was uh, you know, very much, sorry, I was trying to bring up his, his World War, he was in the, he was in the Air Force, um, so he comes back from the war, and he was very much not will, not confident in his acting abilities, he wasn't very sure if he was even going to return to being in movies, but he ends up getting offered, I think Frank Capra offers him the role, and, he ends up taking it, and, like, uh, there's a lot of scenes in this film that, like, very much, I think, there's one scene that my mom told me, so there's a scene when he's at the bar, uh, after he pretty much, this is, you know, right before he meets Clarence, right, yeah, right before he's at the bar, he just gotten, you know, pretty much just destroyed, you know, feels like such a failure, you know. Because he lost like eight thousand dollars and so yeah we'll get into that more yeah but he's you know pretty much feels like a failure and is out party baby yeah (laughs) he feels like a failure and is pretty much out drinking and uh he's sort of just like i would say mumbling to himself and like crying sobbing and my mom told me because i was watching uh, this part with my mom and my mom was like you know like that's like real like he like Jimmy Stewart in real life is having, like, kind of, like, this breakdown of being, like, you know, very much a lot of PTSD from this. So, a lot of this film is very much based off him coming back from the war. And uh, he, he said later in life that this film sort of healed him from that, like, very much eased him back into his career and, you know, into life. I obviously like can't speak for him because I am yeah. not him. But um, Are you not Jimmy Stewart. Oh I, God, I I'm sorry to reveal it to you. <laughs> no, so um, but I bet that he felt really connected to this character because yeah, he said it was his favorite character yeah so he I bet ever. he felt really connected because um, and I know sometimes actors try and distance themselves from themselves from characters that they play, but this um. Sorry, I got distracted. People, you mean me? (laughs) But um, it's really interesting to see how like much he as as his character was being healed, he was being healed, and I think that that's um like probably adds to the beauty of this movie and why people feel so connected to this movie. And so moving on to like his actual character, George. George Bailey is um, I think he's like such a likable guy. Right? And I, I obviously, like, we'll all, you know, say what we think about him. But I think George is really, really nice. He's always been selfless. And I saw, you know, watching his, basically his entire life, 
it's really, really hard as a viewer to see him go through this break because he is so likable and he's so kind and he's so selfless and he really has become like a small town hero in this town even though he didn't really want to stay in this town he wanted to go travel and he wanted to do bigger things but he's become a hero to the people who live there yet he still can't see that and i just think that it's you know shows that even if you're on top of the world or you know on top of this little town some people can still feel at their lowest and i think that he portrayed that character he portrayed that character really really well yeah, they spend the first, what, three quarters of the movie yeah, hyping him up, being like, George, 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 you know, showing him George, do... Wait, what's that? George, wait. What? That sounds familiar. George, George, George. I don't know. I'm just Maybe chanting. Maybe from another movie. We'll find, <laughs> we'll find it eventually. George, George. Anyway, um, they spend the first, like, three quarters of this movie building him, building him up and showing everything that he does just for them to tear it down in, like, the span of five minutes. And it was, like, yeah. whiplash almost. Yeah. And he spent his entire life working for those people and just for everyth- them to yeah, <laughs> everything that he's been working. Even if it was accidentally. <laughs> also, we'll get to him later, but Mr. Potter, yeah, what the heck? He's so mean. He's terrible, but we'll get to him later. Yeah. Um. So what I, I mean, I, both of your statements are definitely, you know, I agree with what? Oh my god, you guys, come on. Nice. Uh, I think, I think you can sort of, like, there's no denying that, like, George is this incredibly selfless person, and, I mean, really is just, even though, you know, I don't think he really knows it, is really, he's the greater good, he's the only thing that's really, and until the end, obviously, he's the, you know, the only thing that is keeping Bedford Falls, Bedford Falls. and the bed of Bedford Falls. Okay, (laughs) what? You should have said, like, support mattress or something. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, (laughs) good one. Never mind. Yeah. The bedpost or something, I don't know. The bed frame. Oh, yeah, he's the bed frame of Bedford Falls. Okay. <laughs> um, so... I'm sorry, what the freaking hell are you talking <laughs> you about there? I will. It's funny, it's funny. It's funny! Um... Stop, Shirley. Okay, okay, I'm gonna... So, I think... Wait, what the hell? I'm sorry. I just, I gotta look this up first, and then I'll tell you the answer. You just saw the Harry Potter cast <laughs> reunion photo. Oh my god. No, I didn't. That was what is that green thing? This? <gasps> cup cozy. Yeah, it's a cup holder. It's green. It's green. What the hell? <laughs> okay. What? No, I'm. 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 I went on. I went. Okay, I went on. I went on to. I went on to George Bailey's Wikipedia. The character was portrayed by Pete Davidson in a 2020 television special. What? I don't. I tried. I think SNL. No, they would say SNL. I looked. Okay. Wikipedia is not. Kim K on it too. That was too much when Kim K was on SNL. Okay, what the hell did you just do? Oh, in a table read. Oh, I remember this. They did that, like, weird table read, like, online stuff. Pete Davidson. I think it, I think the only resembling thing is he's tall he's and he's skinny. Like, like, like Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, anyway. Pete Davidson thinks he sees angels, too. Probably does not pronounce this Oh my god. Yeah, okay, anyway. So, I definitely think that I... Uh, you guys suck. Um, so... Yeah, so, I think that they are very... Oh my god, you guys made me lose all my thoughts. Surely. I just thought of something. Stop your brain. I think... I think it's... It's very, I mean, I like I've said, and I think a lot of movies that we have done are very much, this is sort of American ideals of kind of, you know, like the small town, the small town thing. And I think 
he's... I can't do this. What, what's your issue, Shirley? What is so funny? We're never going to get through this. Do you remember when David Wallace invented the suck it? Okay. Was that really worth interrupting? What does it have to do with anything? I don't know. But I think, I think that he is very much a relatable character, definitely. But I think, like, uh, like I think we did Casablanca. Wait, you're saying George is relatable? I feel like he's really relatable. Yes. You don't think he's relatable? I mean, I'm not somebody who's standing between a town and some evil guy that wants to take I over mean, the yes, town. But you're not? But, not but I, think, I think the theme of being sort of having all Just these... Like well, I think having all these okay. Well, let me say this part. I think having all these dreams and then sort of you know having them ripped away from you. Miriam, do you, you need to talk no, I think in the way of you have to let me in. Oh my god, I think that it's just the way of sort of having all these dreams and then life gets in the way. You know, I think that's definitely the big thing for this, and I think it was very relatable for a lot of people. You know, the war had just ended. Pretty okay. Can we not? I'm serious. My God. <laughs> I th- <laughs> Let me know okay. when we can start again. Okay, okay. I wanna. I actually have something. To say. I know. Well, I would hand you the mic if you let me talk. Okay, go ahead. I think very relatable for, you know, a lot of people coming back from war. It's this movie came out. Uh, in, I believe, I mean, this, it came, this, this movie came out in December of 1946, so the war had sort of just been over, and, I mean, we'll get into that also with other movies that were going on at the time, but I, for now, I'm gonna pass the mic to Shirley. I actually related to him for, like, a different reason, because I, not, like, for, like, the dreams thing, but, um, so, George Bailey, you know, like, people will be like, oh, George Bailey, like, yay. And there have been times when, like... <laughs> what the hell was that? Oh, George Bailey, yeah. <laughs> no. Who is saying that? Do you think people cheer your name when they see you walking down the hallway? No. <laughs> no. So, I actually related to George Bailey for a different reason, because I am someone who sometimes feels like, even if people are, like, bringing me up, I still could feel very down on myself. So, yeah. someone could be like oh, I really like your sweater. And I'm like, oh, my sweater sucks. And like obviously, oh, thank you. <laughs> Grandpa sweater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You were supposed to say that. <laughs> so obviously it's not um, the exact same thing, but there are times when, you know, people will try to uplift each other, but inside someone still can feel really down about themselves. And so I guess, should we move on to um, George's love interest? Miss Mary. Miss Mary. I- her name's not Miss Mary. Her name is Miss Bailey. Yes. I, I don't remember. What's Mary Hatchet Bailey? Mary Hatchet Bailey. That's kind of a scary name. Yeah, she kind of sounds like, like one of those like 19th century. Stuff. Like Lizzie Borden. Yeah, but not quite. Well, I, I mean, that. do people call her Lizzie Hatchet Borden? <laughs> they <Borden>. should. <laughs> no, Lizzie Borden. So That's what I said. Lizzie. Like Mary Hatchet For those Borden. of you who don't. No. This is a complete tangent, but that's what podcasts are all about. (laughs) Lizzie Borden was, um, like, murdered her whole family or something. We know who Lizzie Borden is, all right? You guys can look it up. You should leave that in. That was interesting. That was a nice little tangent. Yeah, I'll leave that in. Dig it up there for gold. I know, I gotta get it. It's sorry. It's not 49. It's not. That's 1849. Okay. Resume. Resume. So... The oh voice God, cut. dummy, go! Ew, the... B- <laughs> I'm sorry! I can't help it. It's my sickness. It's my sickness, too. So, um, I guess I'll start again. Um, Mary, I also really liked her. I thought that she was really clever. Um, I really liked her, um, except for when, like, he, you know, snapped at her that one time, but I really liked her relationship. Really- oh, you relationship. Yeah, I, I liked her relationship... Know. That she had with George. And I liked her. I know this isn't necessarily like her. But I liked her kids. I thought her kids were adorable. Yes. But I don't have a ton to say about her. I do feel that like they could have added more to her. This is very much a a, a film centered around George Bailey. Yeah. Um, But I still really liked her. And I especially like that scene um, 
when they're walking home together or when George is walking her home from um the like high school like graduation dance or whatever I wouldn't call it high school I don't think they're in they were they were supposed to be in high school yeah and um yeah well the the casting was a little the casting was a little off back then um anyways but I liked how she was like so they walked past this like weird old house and she was like I'm gonna live there someday and so George had kind of comparing her to George George had a lot of dreams some of which could have been reachable but if you know if he had kind of been a little bit more self-centered but a lot of his dreams were a little bit unreasonable. But she had this dream, this small town dream to own this like weird old house. And she achieved that. And I thought that, that was really sweet. Um, I'll just cut. Let, let me just do this real quick. It's a fun fact. So I'll give it to you right after. I'm sorry, Carla. So just a quick fun fact is there's in, the, in that scene, she throws, they both throw rocks at the windows. And it's like, oh, if you break the glass, you're like, your wish will come true or whatever. And, oh, by the way, Mary is played by Donna Reed. This is, like, her one of her first films, if not her first. And, or at least she as a, good. as a, awesome I think first. it's her first as a leading role. And so she throws, and the sound, or, the, you know, the stage sound guy is supposed to then, like, just break some glass off camera. But she actually threw it and actually broke the glass. And, like, because she played, she, she said she played baseball in high school and that's how wow. she was so everyone was very impressed good so she actually good hit shot. it and the guy yeah and Jimmy imagine if yeah. they had messed up that take that would have sucked yeah that would have been really it's... unfortunate anyway anyway Sorry. if i could get back to my thought Sorry, um i was just gonna say like shirley was talking about how mary didn't have much depth and while i guess that's true um just my favorite scenes in the movie just involved her so yeah, yeah. like yeah, the yeah, one yeah. scene where she's on the phone with her supposed boyfriend, you know, like yeah. when her mom's on the stairs yeah, yeah. and then her and George are on the phone. I thought that was really cute. And then the scene where he's walking her home and the old guy that comes out of his house, oh, he's like, well, are you going to kiss her or what? Yeah. That yeah. Guy was great. But I thought they were really cute together and they were my favorite scenes. So. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. And just to go back to when she's on the phone with, I guess he's not like, I, I want Sam, Sam Wainwright. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I mean, I guess he's either her boyfriend or, like, her mom wants her to be the... Yeah, something like that. But uh, Sam, I guess, went to high school with them, I would say. And uh, so they're on the phone together. And this is probably... My mom said this is her favorite scene in the movie. And it's a very iconic scene where they're on the phone together. And they're, like, sort of talking to Sam and whatever. And then eventually they're (laughs) just, like... I know. Well, yeah. Eventually, they're not doing that, and then eventually, he just like shakes her. It's like, Mary, God damn it, Mary! <laughs> and then, and then they make out. I have to say one comment that I had. I was like, I was shocked at how much kissing was in this movie for nineteen, you yeah, know, forties. I know, but I, I thought I thought that, that that made like their connection and like made it feel more realistic than then just like hugging all the time, which yeah, like happens like, in around together. Yeah. But I think I definitely agree that, like, my favorite scenes, like, one of my favorite is so, I mean, and this can also be added into George Bailey's character, is the, I, I believe, a bank rush, that's what it's called. So, all these people oh, are, the yeah, so all these people, so George and Mary just got married, George and Mary just got married, um, <laughs> and they're going away on their honeymoon until, like, there's this whole crowd, and so George wants to see what all the commotion's about, so he goes in. Oh my god, are you okay? I don't know. Okay. So, I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that he took over his father's business. We'll just add that in there. So, um, and one thing we failed to mention is another addition into, I mean, I guess we briefly said it, but in addition to George's character is he, his father dies and he's forced, he's forced to take over the family business or he's forced to take over his father's business, uh, or else it would go to evil Mr. Potter. Potter! Potter. I knew you were going to do that. Um, so, so, yeah, so now he owns, he, so he rushes to see, because everyone's crowded around his, uh, 
building and they go in and they're all everyone wants to withdraw their money from the building and they end up uh being like hey like we can't do this and then everyone was like oh we got to go to potter potter's offering half of half is better than none and so he sort of like tells them to wait but he doesn't really have a plan and then mary's like oh here it is like and she offers their money for their honeymoon and i guess honeymoon and their life pretty much to everyone to pretty much save I guess the business and kind of save greater good uh but what I found was probably one of my favorite scenes I found incredibly sweet is you know they end the night and they just make it by the uh, business building and loans and he's heading home for the night and they take him to the to what Shirley had mentioned, the Mary's dream house, and she's there, and she's got, like, a little, like, dinner set up for them, and, you know, just, I just, I thought that was so incredibly sweet that despite, like, they couldn't go the honeymoon and travel, like, you know, George has been dreaming of doing for his whole life, like, she at least gave this little, like, very sweet gesture, so, yeah. I think, like, the idea of, like, Mary also being super selfless, I bet that's why they were so good for each other because they both were such kind people and when kind people come together they can form really really close bonds and so i i know that this cast was full of a lot of like this was um obviously the main two but it had a lot of like supporting characters do we want to talk about clarence as our like final like main character mr fowler oh (laughs) oh of course, how could we forget? Mr. Mr. Potter. I can't say that name without. I <laughs> he's not Harry Potter, he's just Mr. Potter. I think they know that. Harry Potter when he got older. <laughs> Harry Potter in the 1940s. Yeah. Um Muggle Harry Potter. So, Mr. Potter is the worst. That guy is so rich, but he just he's played by Lionel Barrymore. <laughs> But that guy is the worst. He just, he, he has all this money, but he only keeps it to himself. And he just is so mean. He is the complete opposite of George. That's why he, all he, I know, I know. But he, I'm, I'm describing him. He, he is just terrible. I did not like him well, one bit. But we love Kringlin. Yeah, I mean. Um, we do love Kringlin. Kringlin. Watch our Grand Hotel episode. What does that have to... He plays... He oh. plays Kringlein. <laughs> this is our second Lionel Barrymore film. Excuse me. Miss Kringlein. I'm fan. here for the podcast. I don't pay attention to the cast. Well, you loved him. You're here for the <laughs> podcast, <laughs> not the cast. This, is also, this <laughs> yeah. is also our second Frank Capra movie. Go check out It Happened One Night. Another It title. Um, I forget what I was going to say now. Are you okay, Charlotte? <laughs> yeah. I literally forget what I was going to say. Potter! Yeah, I know we were talking about him. Um, I don't know, I just, when we were talking about George earlier, I just thought it was interesting how George was literally the only thing standing in the way of Potter taking yeah. over the whole town. Because when Clarence, his guardian angel, shows him what the town would be like without him, um, you can see that it's called Pottersville and everything's Potter, and so, I don't Potter. Pottersville. <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah, that wasn't my original thought. I don't remember what I was going to say. Well, he's undeniably a bad guy. Uh, and uh, I think I think that many people have said this, and it's definitely a yeah, I think a good comparison. I definitely think it's a good comparison. Many people have. Uh, compared him to Ebenezer Scrooge. Go check out our Muppets Christmas Carol. Definitely, and I think, you know, he's sort of just... Mr. Scrooge, definitely go check out our Muppets episode. Did you know he was from here? Yes, he's from Philly. The Barrymore's are. Uh, so... 
Well, It's a Wonderful Life came out 14 years after Grand Hotel. That's probably why I don't recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my God, the dude had, like, gained, like, 100 pounds, and it's, like, 60. Like, this is, let's see, I want to, let me just see and check where he, when he died. Died in 54, he died 10 years later. He's only 60. Well, he's way past 60 now. Yeah, but he was, he was 60 then. He does not. So let's do Clarence, then let's yeah. do Yeah, let me ratings. just, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. are we, Carly, are we skipping your Christmas or are we going um, next week? It's up to you. When's the next time you guys can record? Like, after school next week. I can't do Monday because there's probably going to be some crawlers. Yeah, I think. Just for time. I, oh, I might be able to. I don't know. So I'm going to the state tomorrow night, but I'm sleeping at um, the house. Yeah, so I think. And then Sunday I have to We'll just do, we'll just do, we'll say how long from now, and then, I mean, if we're able to, maybe squeeze yeah, the first two, right? It's the vacation Yeah, it's, I mean, guys. and we're, we're you know, Christmas. it was National Lampoon's. Yeah, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, so I'm not really, I'm not going to start crying if we skip it. It's yeah. a good also, movie, but it's not, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so I I think that he's very much the antithesis of... George Bailey, and interesting factoid, interesting fact is that, so during this time, they all had to, all movies had to be under the Hastings Code, and one of the, a lot of, a lot, okay, so it's just, it's a, it's the code that pretty much says, like, kind of, like, lays out rules for what can be shown in films at this time, so pretty much just, like, oh, they can only, you can't swear, and you can only kiss for this certain amount of time, and stuff like that, and a lot of the move, not a lot of the jokes and stuff like that were cut, and they're, like, basic words, like, aw nuts, or whatever was cut, aw nut, and then, yeah, like, it's cut because it's, like, I, I guess inappropriate somehow, and saying nuts, and so, but one of the things that was in the code is that no, like, criminal can get away from the crime and not but mr P- they guess didn't really acknowledge that pretty much mr potter gets away free after stealing the eight thousand dollars we previously mentioned that uh it's because he was yes. made by lionel barrymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh so it's because george george's uncle uh loses this eight thousand dollars that they're supposed to have and pretty much is like gonna go to jail for fraud and potter finds it and like pretty much i just thought it was funny in the final scene um when they're having you know everybody's coming in and pitching in money for george um when he first loses the eight thousand dollars there's the bank people that start coming after him like hey what happened to this money you know and then the final scene when everyone's pitching in money they're like let me just drop in some money. Yeah. It's like they they really it really shows the effect that George has because yeah. they know yeah. that he's a good guy, so they're just like, "We'll forget about it," you know. So. So I know this isn't about Potter, but I had never heard of the hate. It's the Hastings Code, right? Uh, yes. I had never heard of that before. That is so interesting. I think like our podcast, like we need to have like a little like printout booklet or something with all these different movie terms. Yeah, we're not all Miriam. Yeah, we're not all me. Like, so listeners can also have one, so they get a little like couch potato critics like dictionary with all these film critic um things so can we move on to my buddy clarence Mr. He, yeah every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings and i loved clarence clarence um reminded me of obviously he's supposed to be very very old right but clarence 200 something years old so Clarence made me um, like almost acted like a child, even though he was so old. Like he made me like. Wait, wait a sec. <laughs> um, I was just gonna ask. Do you think we can be out of here by like five forty-five? Yeah. Oh, we're finishing up in like ten. Yeah, it's like is he bringing me home? No, I'm getting on the train. Oh. He's at home cooking. I thought, so. oh. Oh. I don't care if he does or not. I, I wasn't trying to act like 
I was obligated no, to. He, I was he's just picking me up from the train station, but he's not picking me up from here. Cool. Anyway, continue. Yes. Oh, what was I, I want to restart my thought about Clarence. So Clarence, I really, really liked him, and I thought, yeah. Every time a bell rings, an angel you gets his wings. You don't have to keep saying that. We get it. <laughs> no, but I want bells to keep ringing, so angels keep getting their wings. I thought that was just so cute. But anyways, Clarence, despite him being like 200-something years old, reminded me of a child. Like, he seemed to have, like, that childlike... a Yeah, so he, he, like, reminded me of, like, you know, this childlike joy and love of life, even though he is dead right yeah because he he did imply he did say that he used to be alive and i also love that he like wore clothes from when he was alive i just think that that was so adorable and i thought that clarence was a really really great character and i think that that final you know scene when the daughter says when the bell rings and the daughter says the famous quote um i think yeah um i just think that that was so wonderful that not only the Baileys got their happy ending, but so did Clarence. And I definitely think, I believe the daughter Zuzu, which, it's talk about, talk, well, are we going to talk, You, you're, it's like you're segueing me into these fun facts. Zuzu's was, um, was a uh, type, it was a snack in like 1940s to 1980s or something when it got discontinued there were ginger snaps and you can hear throughout the movie he calls zuzu my little ginger snap so so was that like product placement <laughs> i mean <laughs> it kind of you want an oreo yeah, yeah. Oreo. Mm. you want a glass of milk honey like <laughs> so but of Zuzu saying that, Zuzu's probably like, I don't know, like six or something, maybe not even. She's the one that was sick, right? S- yeah. yeah, sick, not, <laughs> yeah, I said sick. She was yeah, sick. Yeah, like, I'm sick. Yeah, I know. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just, yeah. So, I think definitely, I def- I think, Girl. and quick, dude, they, they got it out. I know, they were married. Boom, boom, boom. There's like five kids. <laughs> it was the 40s. Yeah, yeah but my God. Girl, you need to stop. <laughs> I, yeah, so I think her saying that is definitely like, definitely supports the, you know, Cl- Clarence being very, you know, I don't. I, it's I, connecting him back to a child character. I know. Yeah, especially that scene where um, Clarence walks into the bar and he's just, he's so oblivious to that, like, yeah. people don't know, I mean, they know about angels, but nobody really, like, believes in them, and then they get thrown out of the bar. He yeah. reminds me of, like, like very I, and I wonder if he was any inspiration to it, but he reminds me of, like, a really, like, old-fashioned version of Buddy the Elf from Elf. Just, like, this complete, like, man-child, like, an like, yeah. obliviousness. I just thought it was, like, great. Yeah. Well, that's the word. You definitely, I definitely think he's, like, a man child and um oh by the way you know gotta give a shout out he's played by henry travers because we didn't say that before so shout out uh are we all good on that or carly you want to say something okay so i guess i i got a few lasting questions before we do reviews um one thing that I just thought was interesting and I want to bring up real quick is that this film is based on a greeting card. Technically. Seriously. Well, I mean, the, technically. The cover does kind of look like a greeting card. Yes. Well, it's sort of technically based on a greeting card. So, this guy, uh, Philip Van Dorn Stern. Talk about awesome name. Philip Van Dorn Stern. So, he writes this uh, story called... Oh no, Carly hit her foot. He writes the. Yeah. She so, uh, Philip Van Dorn Stern writes this story called The Greatest Gift, and he ships it around to publishers, but nobody ends up buying the rights to the story, or you know, is willing to sell it. So he just decides to like print it as a greeting card to send to his friends and his relatives, and somehow it gets in studio hands, and they buy it from him for, like, a hundred thousand dollars, so I just thought that that was, it's, like, a really interesting, yeah, kind of, yeah, really luck is just, you know, getting into the right hands. It's a wonderful life. Yeah, (laughs) 
Yep. It wasn't for George for a minute, but... Yeah. You know, we all get back here eventually. Yeah. Um... I got that. Another... Okay, I don't know what the hell that was. I apologize. That scared me. So, um, another thing I want to quickly add, I don't know, giving a shout out to the makeup and hair department here, is I think they did... I was telling my mom this, a phenomenal job of aging Jimmy Stewart. He is, like, I just thought this after... He looked like he was 35. I know, no, okay, definitely, no, definitely that. But then once they do the time jump and they've got all the kids now and everything, I thought he looked much older. They, like, made his hair more disheveled and everything. I definitely think they did, like, a good job of making him look, like, gave him a gray streak, stuff like that. I want to do kind of along the same lines, but I want to do a shout out to the casting department because yeah, I thought yes. that the little kids looked very similar to their like grown up counterparts. Yeah. And I love when like you watch like I watch like TV and stuff all the time with my dad and we're always like, I feel like I'm watching like this one, like that has to be the same person. That was them when they were a kid and yeah. they're not. And it's just so fantastic. Um... Yeah, and I mean, if you want to talk about casting, I think one thing that's really interesting is, so this film wasn't originally part of, I guess you could say, Liberty Films, technically, but um, I think more formally it would be uh, RKO, but Liberty Films is very interesting because this is one of their two movies that Liberty Films does before it shuts down. It does this, and I don't know what the other one was. Well... Like, shuts down pretty much soon after, but it's uh, Frank Capra's studio. So before it gets in the hands of Frank Capra, it originally was, I believe, here, let me just make sure I get it. Uh, originally, I'm sorry, I just went open it, but, uh, I don't, okay. Originally, I think it was just, I don't know, okay, whatever, sorry. It was originally, like, another RKO had it, and then they gave it to Capra, and originally, Cary Grant was supposed to play uh, George Bailey, Uh, Jean Arthur was supposed to play Mary, but she was on Broadway, and Cary Grant couldn't play because they just, like, took so long to make the film that he sort of moved on and did The Bishop's Wife, and, you know, they couldn't get him then. So, I think then... Jimmy Stewart gets back into show business, or gets back into show business because of this. They reach out to him, he gets it. And, like, a bunch of different people were considered to play Mary. Ginger Rogers, um, uh, um, Olivia de Havilland, uh, a bunch of people. And then they eventually settle on Donna Reed, who is very much a newcomer that was first starring role. So I just, I think it definitely uh, interesting, you know, it's, I think it's always interesting to see who, like, could have played, like, I cannot imagine Cary Grant playing George Bailey, it's definitely Jimmy Stewart. Whenever I hear stories like that of, like, actors almost playing one character or something, I always wonder, would that, like, especially when it's a successful, very successful film like this, I always wonder, like, would those films have been as successful had, yeah. like, you know, they've changed. And I guess we need, like, a Clarence to come and show us. Yes. But, um, yeah, so do you want to do ratings? Oh, no. oh. One more thing. One more thing. Oh, my God. You signed up for this, girl. Um, I think, so, just this, this one last thing. So... I think watching this, so, I think, quite honestly, in my opinion, when I was watching this, I was like, how did, like, Jimmy Stewart not win an Oscar for this? Because I, truly, I've seen him, just, he's previously won an Oscar for the Philadelphia Story, and in my opinion, I think, uh, Cary Grant should have won it instead, they were both in the, whatever, that's another Silent, but I think he totally, like, should have done that, where it's, like, in, he's barely in the Philadelphia story, he kind of plays a side character, but somehow won Best Actor for that, whatever. But he didn't end up winning, and It's a Wonderful Life didn't end up winning any Oscars, because they can, they're competing with the best years of our lives, which I'm sure we'll watch one of these days down the road, and do an episode on it, but this is, for anyone who doesn't know, the best years of our lives is... A post-war 
World War II film about three um, servicemen who return to, like, average life, and pretty much they, like, since this was such an impactful film, because it was, you know, so, you know, It's a Wonderful Life sort of kind of briefly touch like, in the background touches on it with Jimmy Stewart returning to, uh, his life he left before, but Best Years of Our Lives was so relevant for so many people at the time that I just, I thought it was very, like, an interesting sort of comparison of all these sort of post-war films, you know, like The Wars mentioned. I mean, we've done a lot of World War II-related... Like, era. Yeah, I mean, we just did Casablanca, uh, what, two weeks ago now? Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that this is a... Whatever, I just wanted to point that out. Okay, we can do reviews now, Carla. Do you want to start? No. cut out when you're editing the, um, parts where I kept asking to do the ratings. Yes, of course. I don't want to seem like I'm, like, itching to leave. She knows how to edit. Yeah. Okay, Carly, you start. Well, first of all, what does it have on Rotten Tomatoes right now? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, ap- I apologize. I, ap- I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> so, currently on Rotten Tomatoes, this has a 94% uh, with critics, and for people, the audience score is 95%. So, it is certified fresh. Carly, would you like to give your opinion on that? Um, <laughs> I hate to give things a lower rating, but... I think I'd give it like a ninety, which is not not. Yeah, I thought I thought you didn't. Like <laughs> you were, yeah, she was like, eh, it was all right. <laughs> well, I mean, even I say that about everything, honestly. Um, yeah, ninety ninety four to ninety is really not that bad. So yeah, I, mean, I think like, you were talking like. Me and Shirley were both like, we really like this movie, and Carly was like, eh. It was <laughs> yeah, bad. Carly was being very, very negative. Anyway, <laughs> basically, I would give it a 90, just because, like, I know a lot of the movie was about showing how George, how his dreams didn't work out, but I felt like it got kind of repetitive after a while. Like, it was a formula, you know? Like, something good would happen to him, and he'd be like, okay, maybe now's the time, and then something bad would happen. And maybe we should have watched the two-hour, nine-minute version. I think we watched the longer version. <laughs> That's the, the one they show now is much longer, but on here it's two hours and nine minutes. Oh. The one they show I don't now remember how long it, I don't remember. I watched it on Amazon, so whatever that one I is. I watched it, like... It was probably 2.25. Like, I don't know what I watched I it on. You can say you watched it illegally. No, I didn't. TV. I just, like, set it into my TV Oh, remote. then you watched it on NBC. Oh. Did it have commercials during it? I don't know. You don't know. Well, yeah, because hell? yeah, remember. you can watch it on NBC, but it has commercials. So then I went to Amazon. So anyway, yeah, ninety. I felt like it was a bit repetitive at times, but it was very fun. And I just it's really weird because the first three quarters was about George, but then the last twenty minutes, it felt like a completely different movie almost. Yeah. Um, you know, it didn't really get into the cold Christmas thing until the last minutes either, but I liked it. So you said it has a ninety-five, right? Audience-wise. 94 critic-wise. Okay. I actually agree with Carly. I would also give this movie a 90, which in my opinion is a very good score, right? I would give this movie a 90 rather than a 94 because I also feel that there were parts that were repetitive and I feel like there were parts that were a little bit stretched out, but I think that this is a really great story. It um, tells the journey of this man's life and I really really liked the characters I really liked the acting but I do feel that some of it could have I would have liked to see for instance more of Clarence right so I I did really enjoy it though I really like this movie um real quick on that when I originally what I know from this movie because I think when uh, Clarence comes down, it's like pretty much how everyone knows this movie as sort of an angel showing a man through his life as, as if he had never been born. And I was really shocked that it was like literally the last like 15 yeah. minutes of the movie. But I would have to say, I think I'd give this like a 99%. Oh wow. I know. I Because th- quite honestly, like this is probably one of the best movies I've seen in a, a while. Yeah, I just, I don't know what it was. I think 
you know, I think I just, I really like a good, like, life story of how you really just, like, sort of get to know, and you, you're, you know, sort of root for George Bailey and Mary, um, and I think that, like, I don't know, I really like a good life story and feeling, like, really connected to one character, and I don't know, it was just one that was really interesting, and I think the only note about it that doesn't make it higher is I did, there was a point that I was sort of, the beginning of the film, where, like, I was very confused by this, and you guys can tell me what you think of this, because I really don't know what the relevance of this was very much, but George, when he's little, works at this shop. Yeah, so, so, okay, so, so, this guy, George works at this shop, um, and I guess it's, like, a pharmacy slash, like, I don't know what it is. It's, like, a hot, it's, like, yeah, so it's very much a hybrid of a bunch of different, yeah, yeah, and, he goes in the back, and, like, I don't know, like, the shopkeeper, like, almost poison, like, puts poison in something, or I don't even know what the hell it was. It was very but, confusing. Um, shout out, they feature a pandemic in this movie, they feature the Spanish flu a bit, because that's the shopkeeper's brother dies of influenza, so shout out to the pandemic. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, are you, you're making me feel so awkward, because nobody was laughing. Shout out to the pandemic. Shout out to Omicron. <laughs> okay no stay safe everyone stay safe okay i'm cutting all of that um yes let me well let me yeah so yeah so anyway i just think this was one of i really just like a good seeing throughout someone's life one of my other favorite movies is gone with the wind and that sort of does a similar thing of following uh a character's life through many years of their life and i don't know i just i that's what i really enjoyed about it and um yeah i i'll say i'll give it a 98 or a 99 just because i think it was a 99 for me because it ended much better than it started for me because i was 8.5 um okay yeah yeah i feel like the only reason they they brought that up in the beginning, which just so at the end when Clarence yeah, is in in the alternate universe or whatever, you see that the guy actually got arrested for the accidental poisoning. Like, what? Well, that's the only time yeah, it was brought up again. So. They, he did so many other things in his life that it could have been like, yeah. maybe it was to show that he was like a good kid, like. But also, yeah, but he saved should, his brother. Yeah. So, I don't know. It felt a little unnecessary. And, like, including... Well, obviously, that guy's incompetent at his job. And yeah. He's accidentally poisoned. And I, I was talking about this with my mom this morning. I was like, what the hell is, like, he just have poison around a shop for? Like... Poison in the ice cream shop. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, um, maybe, I guess, maybe he sells it on the side or something. Uh, but I, I like, the... I f- totally get Harry falling into the pond there because that relates to what happens later in the film with him saving Clarence. And I, like, that makes sense to me. What the hell does a shop, someone accidentally poisoning a child have to do with this? It was a very strange scene. It made me feel uncomfortable. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. So. I like the rest of it. Yeah. So I think, I think that's why in my head is a bit higher because the second half, or I'll say uh, 75% of it was so good, and it was so amazing, and then I kind of forgot about, like, the first half, or first, first quarter, where I was a bit, like, why am I watching this? <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah, and it, it, it had a slow start. yeah, and it was much better than I imagined with the original storyline. I thought the whole movie was gonna be him, like, going through his life and seeing, and I'm glad that we sort of saw his life, and then this and alternative, yes, yeah. although, more screen time for him. I I loved. Him. We always like the good. Bloopers. We all bloop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to see like some deleted scenes. Yeah. We'll we'll watch the director's cut later. Okay. Well, next week's movie is going to be. So if you guys have listened to our podcast before, you know that we normally do like a rotating thing where we take turns picking, but next week we they are don't like doing. My choice. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time before Christmas. Christmas is coming no, this is really a soon. Attack against me. 
You like this movie. Get her to shut up. Okay. One, two, three. As those of you who have been listening you to our to podcast. Say the whole thing over again. Just say home alone. Miriam. I'm recording the whole thing because then I have to keep my train of thought. <laughs> Carly's been asleep on Miriam's. <laughs> As those of you who have been listening to our podcast before may already know, we normally do like a rotating schedule where we take turns picking our movies. Um, but, and we do like categories and groups of three. But next week, instead of Carly picking a movie, the entire group has picked two movies and we're going to do a special <laughs> double Why episode. Both of them? Oh, Jesus Christ. That's a lot of Kevin well, you may have already heard Carly say, so apparently Carly didn't realize what the group decision <laughs> I was. I thought we were just watching the first one. So, we to watch Trump? Jeez. No, you can watch, in, Can- in Canada they don't show Trump, but. No, do, drum roll please, drum roll please. We are going to be watching the first two Home Alones, and we are going to be doing a special double episode where we, we review two movies for the first time they're, they're, ever they're on our podcast. Though, well, I love Home Alone. Yes, they are my too. favorite holiday love movies. Home. Love Home Alone. So, yeah. very excited. And, and this was in close competition with Home Alone 3 and 4. Definitely, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> not at all. What's his name? If it's not Macaulay Culkin, it's not Kevin McAllister. Not my, not my Kevin McAllister. Um, <laughs> anyway, so thank you guys so much for listening. Um, make sure to like us, follow us, subscribe to us, turn on our notifications, whatever you have to do to stay tuned um, on wherever you get your podcast from. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Zizi poo poo? Yeah. Zizi poo poo? Girl, it's going to hell. What the hell?